Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Peter Lundell. He edited my new book that's going to be released very soon in September, and he's a fellow missionary kid. He's a pastor, and he's a teacher in a Bible college, and he's a a person that I respect when it comes to the area of prayer. We're talking about how to develop a life of prayer today such an important topic for any Christian, but especially for those of us who want to see the multiplication of disciples. We must be people of prayer. We must continually work on developing our lifestyle of prayer. So I know you're going to love the insights that we gain from Peter today. We'll be back with that in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Cynthia Anderson and I am here today with Peter Lundell. We're going to have an awesome time together talking about prayer and how to develop your prayer life. I'm so excited to introduce Peter to you guys and get a chance to hear from him. Welcome, Peter. So good to have you. And um, yeah, Peter is a, a new friend. I met him because he was the editor of my new book that's going to be released in September and um, did a fantastic job with that. But he's a lot more than just an editor. He's a, a fellow Fuller grad. He did his MDiv and uh, also Doctorate of Missiology. Is that right, Peter? At Fuller Seminary, where I also graduated. And um, he's a fellow missionary kid. So we have that in common. I love that from Tanzania. And a pastor and a teacher and trainer. You teach in a seminary, I believe, Peter. And I'm so excited. A Bible college. Okay. Yeah. But so excited to have you here. Anything else? I just said a lot of things about you, but anything else you'd like to share about yourself as we get started? Um, that's that's good. Yeah. You've got a wife, right? And I have a wife, uh, a grown daughter. My wife is Korean. She's a church planter. Awesome. And uh, when I went to Fuller, I was hungry for God. Um, I'd grown up in the church, parents being missionaries, but 
My father died in Tanzania. He's buried there. So I grew up with this love-hate relationship with God. I always believed in him, but I blamed him for killing my dad. Mm. Um, that's another whole story. But um, yeah, it, it was a mixed thing. And I was kind of a crystal pagan looking for ultimate truth. Mm. So I was... I didn't come to Christ with repentance or a great need, but more of an emptiness and mm. hungering for what I called ultimate reality or who's my creator, mm. uh, why am I alive? Wasn't interested in making money or power or prestige. I just wanted to know ultimate, you know, the supreme master of the universe. Can I connect with this? And so I looked at Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, but it all came back to Jesus over and over and over. And I'm convinced that if you are honest and you're truly seeking the truth, you will invariably come to Christ. Mm, um, and uh, prayer is a natural thing that came out of that. Um, my mother was always a supporter of, of uh, Open Doors and ministry to uh, the persecuted church. Mm. And um, I wasn't persecuted, and, but that always was with me. But that was sort of the segue that brought me into the spiritual warfare that we were encountering a lot. Because I mm. went to seminary wondering if these things in the Bible are true or could really happen. And I met this lady who I met later married who was doing it all. Mm. And so it was a spiritual warfare that bridged me from the actual persecution of believers to the whole area of prayer and then just a desire to want to know who created me and connect with God. Um, and prayer is the primary channel, of course. And so it was sort of inevitable, I suppose, that I, I came in this direction. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And you, you've written a book called Prayer Power, 30 Days to a Stronger Connection to God. And I've been going through that book. Love it. It's, you know, it's some parts of it are basic, but it's, it's just good material and really, really helpful in developing your prayer life. And we'll talk more about your book in a few minutes. But um, yeah, for, for a lot of people who are listening, prayer is a part of their life. Um, we talk a lot in disciple making movements and disciple multiplication about how foundational, uh, mm -hmm. extraordinary prayer lives and living a life of extraordinary prayer, not just ordinary prayer, but really extraordinary prayer, going the extra mile in prayer is foundational to seeing the launching of a movement. And so the people who listen to this podcast are people who want to grow in prayer. Um, but for some of us, it's it's easy. Uh, we'll have some Africans listening in who already have prayer lives of three or four hours a day, you know, and we probably have some who struggle to pray more than 15 or 20 minutes and uh, really find it. It feels like a chore, even though that's hard to admit. You, you talk about some of those things in your book, but yeah. let's start first with um, people who struggle. What what kinds of help do you have or what, what kind of hope do you have even to offer those who find it difficult to pray? Rethink and reorder. Um, I think people that I'll talk to usually it's because we're way too busy and we make ourselves busy. It's like we've, 
So if we've re rephrased uh, Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am to be, I'm busy, therefore I am. At least people in the West tend to be that way. And to some degree in Asia as well, from my experiences there. Um, I would, first of all, there's an external aspect I'll get to in a minute, but we need to start in the heart. I think number one, I'd be looking at who I am, what I'm doing, and how I'm doing it. The, the three basics, who, what, and how. Um, I'd be looking at my, my whole identity. Who am I? It's about who I am. And um, we, I talk as a pastor, you know, know who you are in Christ, also whose you are as a child of God. But as I think about, you know, who am I? Jesus was connecting with his father all the time. If you look at the book of Luke early on, is like five points early in Luke where Jesus is always with his heavenly father. I mean, this is the son of God incarnate and he has to connect with his heavenly father. It's, 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 it's who he is. Mm. And Jesus isn't praying because he's weak. He's praying because he knows who he is. Mm. And that involves my connection with the father. And if Jesus is that way, how much more should I be? And if my identity is as a child of God, a, a minister of God, I will want to connect with my life source. And if I'm not, then something's wrong. I'm too busy. Uh, I'd also be looking at what I'm doing, especially my purpose. What I'm, Why do I get up in the morning? Why do I do the ministry? Why do I seek a disciple-making movement? Why do I do anything? Mm. Um, and 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 if it's just is it for the kingdom of god is it for to build my own empire and if it has anything to do with the kingdom of god we're right back into the battle between the kingdom of god and the kingdom of darkness and how do we expect to win a spiritual battle if we're not doing the foundational spiritual connection so my identity you know my purpose one and then the, the way of life and the way of ministry uh, I, I will never forget a, a group of Chinese Christians who came over to visit the U.S. and visited churches. And they were asked, you know, what is your most significant impression of the church in America? And these believers from mainland China said, we're amazed at how much you do without God. Wow. That's a statement. And it's all about our programs. I mean, in so many North American churches, God could go on vacation or whatever, and we, we would just go right on and not notice because we got to get to the next thing in the program and the agenda, and we got attendance buildings and cash. And that's why the church in the West is declining so much because we've been basing ourselves with the wrong identity, the wrong purpose, and the wrong way of ministry. Mm, and wow. uh, a day without prayer is a declaration of independence from God. And that's something to, re to repent of. Mm. And if I'm not praying, I need to repent of my independence from God. It was Martin mm. Luther who famously said, you know, when I have a really busy day, I have to spend extra time in prayer. Uh, it's a totally different way of thinking. Usually, most people say, I'm too busy, so I can't pray. And a person who prays a lot says, um, no, it's exactly the opposite. 
You need to pray more because you're busy. And if you're too busy to pray, then what are you doing that you should not be doing? Because there are things that you should not be doing if you're too busy. Mm. Ask God and, and, you know, rethink your priorities. Are they biblically aligned? Mm. Is what I'm doing aligned with scripture? Is God calling me to do this? Or <coughs> reading his Holy Spirit, you know, whether a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, or, you know, just a gut sense in my heart, or am I aligning myself scripturally chances are if we're too busy then we're not aligned with scripture or maybe we say we are well maybe it's time you delegate some things mm-hmm. moses tried to do everything himself and, bro- and father-in-law jethro came up okay son you need to delegate this <laughs> and moses had to learn to do what he did well and to let others do what they did well kind of like in your book, we, we talked about teachers need to be teaching those who are leading the movements and everybody has a place and maybe you need to delegate something because it, it is so important to, to step back. And um, it, it starts on the heart and mind. Um, mm. And if I may about the external things, um, there's two external things I find that are more important than anything else. One the primary is to designate a time. When I was trying to develop my prayer life, I realized, you know, if you're in a big tragedy or life's falling apart, prayer comes naturally because you're desperate. And, you know, you're just praying all the time. Mm. Okay, fine. But what about when life is normal? Mm-hmm. Day in, day out. That's when people struggle to pray. And if you don't have a busy schedule, probably someone else will make you busy. Or the devil will make you busy. Or, or something will happen. You have to decide. It has to be a decision. It won't happen on its own. Like people who want to lose weight or they want to get an education. They want to start a business or start a church. It doesn't just happen. And and so I was finding, you know, when can I pray? And if I didn't have a set time of the day to do it, it didn't happen. And so Mm -hmm. I I experimented with during the day. When Praying before you sleep is great, but you miss the whole day. I thought maybe in the afternoon I'd either fall asleep or I wouldn't do it. Almost everybody on the planet will tell you that the prayer time needs to be as early as possible in the morning. Maybe you wake up and rush hour starts in your house before you get out the door. You've got kids to feed or what have you or a long commute. That's where um, people I work with, they might get up earlier or they'll get going and they'll get too (coughs) early wherever they're going and then they'll have a space of time there in their car or at a pastor you'd sit on top of a rock or your place in the office or maybe in the factory where you work or behind a tree Mm. or something Mm. if you're creative you'll have a place uh, a time um and a regular set time is so important because god doesn't need that Mm. i do because my little brain up here needs a trigger that says when I get up in the morning and, you know, maybe the prayer is the first thing you do, or some people want to get a cup of coffee. For me, it's a shower. It's something to wake up. I don't want, for me, I don't want to waste 10, 20 minutes in prayer just trying to wake up. So for me, the shower wakes me up or, you know, dunk your head in the lake or whatever you get. Uh, something, <laughs> and some people don't need that, but early as, as early as possible in the morning will set that whole day. The second thing mm-hmm. that I, 
before you before you go on to the second one, Peter, let me just pause you because you're saying some real gems here. I want to kind of highlight them and uh, put an exclamation point on them. So you you talked first about some of the internal things that we're facing. And I love that statement that Jesus isn't praying because he's weak. He's praying because it's who he is. So we we need to look at the identity issues. If prayer is not a part of our natural outflow, maybe there's some some things related to who we are that we need to look at and examine. And um, you talked about busyness and uh, such a such a key thing for disciple making, for prayer, for anything to do with the kingdom of God. The enemy is definitely going to come against us in that area. It's a stronghold, I think, especially in the West. But um, like you mentioned, in Asia, all over the world, it's so easy to get busy uh, doing things that are good, but maybe not the most important things in our lives. And I know that's true for me. And I've had to examine over and over regularly. (laughs) How busy am I? What do I need to stop doing? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. There's a subtle pride that says what I'm doing is so important, even if it's for Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes Jesus would say, um, you don't need to do that. I need your heart. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And going back to what what really keeps us connected to the vine, as that verse says, you know, if we abide in him and his word abides in us and we're abiding in Christ, then we're going to bear much fruit. It's going to happen naturally. And, mm-hmm. and yet so easy to get disconnected in our busy lives and Um, then here you've been talking about some of the external things we can put in place to help us and, (coughs) excuse me, um, designating a time. I just wanted to throw in a comment on that. Um, when, when I was a young mother, um, and I'm a grandma now of three grandkids, but when I was a young mother, that was, it was hard to find time to pray and, I had to really decide that I would get up before my children did. Because if I didn't, by the time it was time to go to bed, I was so exhausted as a young mom. There was just no way I could pray. So I started that habit, you know, of waking up in the morning before my children did. And then if they got up, they would sometimes just be there with me. But um, that habit has been, you know, part of my life since my kids were young and they're all grown now. And, and yeah, without that habit, my prayer life would be far, far, it'd be impossible you know, just to grab time during the day or to do it in the evening. So for me, morning was also really, really critical, but I agree so much. And um, yeah, there's that book, Atomic Habits, you know, that talks about having these things that we start small. <laughs> Maybe it's five minutes when you first wake up, but um, getting started with a, a specific time of day. I love that. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but I thought those were things where yeah, kind of. And I would encourage, um, uh, it's so transformative. Um, when I was in Louisiana, the Lord just said, you will start praying two hours every day. I was like, yes, sir. And I did. And I loved it. And I didn't have a problem praying two hours. I had a problem stopping because, mm. you know, stuff. it was life transforming for me. Mm. And it was, I just said, wow. And and I had, I had a person come to me at a conference. They said, oh, Dr. Lundell, I feel so guilty. I haven't prayed enough. And I thought, and I told her, what's wrong with you? Prayer, not praying is nothing to feel guilty about. Are you trying to get brownie points with God? Praying <laughs> is like eating. 
if you miss a meal, you don't go, oh, I feel guilty for not eating breakfast and lunch. You feel hungry. Yeah. So if I miss the prayer time in the morning, I don't feel guilty. I feel hungry. Why? Because it's who I am. I'm not trying to make God happy. Mm. If you're trying to make God happy, you're praying for the wrong reason. Mm. It's, it's being connected. It's Jesus says, I'm the vine into the branch. And, and it's a life flow from me into you. And, and I want the life flow. And if I don't have it, I get thirsty and hungry and, and I want it. And, mm. and, I, and I pray that you would, that all of us would have the attitude that I pray because I need it, because I want it, because I love it, because I need the life flow, because I want God in me. I'm hungry for God. Mm. Guilt is just legalism. That'll just trip you up. It's about mm. relationship and the power of God in us. And when mm. I say to a person who's not praying, you know, they might, well, I can't pray half an hour. I'll, I'll say, start with five minutes. Okay. Mm. Then go to 10, 15, 20, half an hour. And some people might say, well, that's legalistic. Absolutely the opposite. It's, it's saying, I'm going to, for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, hour, two hours, I'm going to say for this set time and, and put an alarm on it. I'm not kidding. Put a stopwatch, a timer on it that until that timer goes off, I will focus on God. That will give you the, the psychological freedom that I'm not going to answer emails. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to worry about anything because I'm designating this time for God and me. It's like a picket fence around a busy world. And in this little picket fence is a garden where I meet with God and I'm ignoring the rest of the world, deliberately, purposely giving myself a, a permission to do that. So I'm not feeling guilty about all the things I have to do. And I'm not feeling burdened about all the things I have to think about. Or during my prayer time, things come to mind and they do. Then just jot them down on a note and set it aside or, you know, speak a little message into your phone, whatever. And just continue praying. Mm. And that the time that we set is rather, for example, if I say to my wife, I want, you know, busy day, but let's spend an hour together. She's not going to say, oh, that's legalistic that we have to spend a whole hour. She's going to rather say, <laughs> this is great. We're going to spend an hour and nobody else is going to intrude on this. It's, mm. it's a time that where I set aside with the lover of my soul. Mm. Jesus is a lover of my soul. And I'm saying, I'm going to spend this time. It's my appointment. I'm not going to talk to anybody, do anything. This is the time for us. And we're together. And it, it just, it's a nurturing relationship. And the more I do that, the less I have to do in busy work, because God tends to do these things in better ways than I could. He'll bring opportunities. He'll change hearts. Mm -hmm. Things happen that I could not in my own power. So I don't need to do as much. Because mm. I'm seeing him. I'm not asking him to do stuff as much as I'm aligning myself with him. Right. And praying what he would lead me by his word or by the leading of his spirit to pray. So I'm my focus is not just God, please do this. It's Lord, I align myself with you and do what I'm agreeing with you that these would happen. And you know, mm. God has chosen to work with us, kind of like a an adult parent with a little child teaching them how to paint or cook or something, and they're making a terrible mess of it. But the parent is is working with that child because the parent chooses to and loves to. And that's like God working with us. Mm, yeah, that's a beautiful. Well, like, okay, we're going. It's good.
Yeah, beautiful picture. I wanted to ask a quick question. You you mentioned phones, and I don't know about you, but for me, I often find my phone can be quite a distraction when I'm trying to pray. You know, you get especially if you have your notifications on or your, you know, um, even on Sabbath, I try to put my turn my phone off or put it away or. Talk a little bit about technology related to prayer and how it can aid or distract or how that's that's been. Here's mine. I keep mine. <laughs> um, I call this. I have apps. I have like, for example, one app right here that's about habits. Another one here where I record things that God's doing in my life. Um, here's uh, Echo Prayer app. Um, I use my notes. If, if like Holy Spirit speaks something into me, I'll just speak it into my phone and there we go. Or I just start thinking about something I need to write or communicate or teach. <clears throat> my phone becomes my best friend. It's like the extension of my mind. It's, it's my, it, it is my, it helps my spirituality if it's on a leash. Mm -hmm. um, and I would definitely turn the notifications off. You can do that, you know. I'd leave the notifications <laughs> off, but say to myself, I'm going to use this little thing to make a notation. Because I just find what, when I'm praying, and I think most of us would, it's like it clears your mind and and your brain automatically thinks of things or maybe the Lord brings things to you that you wouldn't otherwise. And then you get distracted by trying not to forget it. Well, just say it into your speakerphone and your note app or whatever you have. And just move on um, and, and use the phone to keep a list of your prayer list. A lot of us will mm. use a prayer list. That's on my phone. Um, the notes that, where the Lord speaks something to me. Um, I this uh, the, uh, the coach, I use coach me. There's lots of them like for personal growth and habit building. I go, I work through personal growth and development and, and I, and to me, it's all part of it and God's in it. And it's just, um, Determine that you're going to use this thing for godly purpose without letting it be for everybody else's purpose. It's again, take charge. It's a tool. Of your phone. Yeah, yeah, you take charge of your phone and it'll do everything you need. If you don't, it'll do everything everyone else wants and it'll all be intrusion. And it's all yeah. up to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so agree with that. I also put my phone on focus mode when I'm yep. in prayer. So that yeah. nothing, none of my apps yeah. will buzz me yeah. during that time. Uh, yeah. And like uh, airplane, there's focus mode, airplane yeah. mode, focus mode, or good thing, good ways if you still want to use it for other things like Peter's mentioned. But yeah. but we do have to be pretty intentional in this world we live in, yeah, right. even wherever you are in the world, to minimize distractions. Mm -hmm. So we really can mm -hmm. have that. Yeah that intimate time with the Lord, just as we do with our spouse or with a, a good friend, you know, if you ever go out, go out for coffee with somebody and they're constantly checking their phone. It's not a very good conversation. So uh, same kind of thing, but I had inter interrupted you earlier when you were talking about externals. One was finding a, a specific time, anything else you wanted to add there? The place is important, not as important as a time because we might travel, for example, if I'm traveling, um, I will set myself up. I'm going to Indianapolis tomorrow for four days, and I've already written down um, the Bible readings I need to do, things I need to get done. Um, but if I'm in a hotel room, 
I will take a towel out of the bathroom and I will drape it over the TV because I do not want to be tempted to, oh, I wonder what, you know, I don't have cable at home. We just don't even watch TV. And there's a temptation to just to channel surf, you know, even if it's innocent stuff, I mean, it's just, just don't. Um, I put the towel over the TV just to remind me to focus. Um, when we were in an apartment at Fuller, I didn't have a special prayer room or anything like that. So we had um, I had a little table that we'd gotten from Korea, those little low Korean tables. Then I got a um, a a bed, a spread, an embroidered spread that I'd brought home from India. And that was my prayer spot in the middle of our apartment. I would lay that carpet down and sit at that table. And that triggered to my mind, the only thing you do when you sit on this carpet at this table is you focus on God and pray. It's yeah. amazing how that worked. And when I got done, I rolled up the carpet, put the table away. I would let it be used for no other purpose. It was a designation. God doesn't need that, but it helps my mind to focus because... It's hard, right? And so mm. little things like that. My favorite place to pray is in the church sanctuary. I'll just I'll just do laps around any church you bring me to. I just love to be in that sanctuary setting. And if you don't have that, a walk in the woods, a walk around the lake, um, on your porch, or just a quiet place. Some people designate a little room in their house or or you know, something against a wall that you face or Whatever works for you. It, uh, for some people, it's in the, in in their car before work, um, and um, this is kind of funny. I I don't have a special. I, I didn't, I'm not near a church sanctuary. I can go anymore, and so I got this. I just ordered it off Amazon. It's it's from the Holy Land, and I stick this on a table in front of me when I pray. God doesn't need me to do that, but it helps me to focus. It just says mm. that cross of me i am focused and yeah. just it's a it's a because in my human weakness i tend to get distracted and if it helps you focus and i can go anywhere with me so yeah. it's all about intentionality yeah what i hear you kind of saying peter is experiment with different mm -hmm. ways that help you focus mm -hmm. and um it, you know with if a place isn't working try a different place uh, yep. try try a symbol try a carpet try something that yeah. may help trigger you um i had a friend in india in uh she was in college and you know in a dorm setting and there were so many other you know uh mm -hmm. girls around and she would cover her head with uh her kurta her you know mm -hmm. shawl and her head was covered on the bed and that was her prayer spot. And she was, you, you know, know, that's how she would pray. So, you know, different things work for different people in different settings, but find what works for you to get that focus yeah. and that, um, but a, a specific place helps. Yeah. I would, I, I always combine my prayer time with Bible reading. I start mm. with the Bible. Um, I read through the Bible cover to cover every year. It's just a habit. Um, again, intentional. And, I, and and pray the Bible. Mm. Pray what you're reading. God, may this be real in my life. Work this in my life. And that alone gets you going into the prayer um, lists and all sorts of things. Or just waiting on God sometimes, seeking mm. leading the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and I know that's a chapter in your book where you talk mm. about praying scripture and how to do that and how to go about incorporating 
just praying the scriptures. Many of them were prayers or songs of prayer um, in the Psalms. And I often do that as well. I did before I read your book. And even after reading your book, I thought, wow, I love this. I, I want to do that again. And just opening a psalm and instead of just reading it, offering it up as a prayer to the Lord. And um, so, yeah, beautiful. Well, what about um, just kind of going back to one of the basics of prayer, uh, a question that I think maybe in some people's minds is, oh, what is the difference between praying prayers of intercession, where you're praying for others and praying petition or praying for just that intimacy and connection and how do you kind of balance all those different aspects of prayer in your prayer life all of the above obviously i think it should, it should be obvious um we all have personal needs personal interests but anybody even a small-minded selfish person can pray prayers of petition mm -hmm. like give me give me give me lord give me this lord give me that i mean there's no Christian character per se in just asking for stuff. Intercession for others takes us beyond ourselves mm. always by nature. Mm. Um, when I intercede for others, sometimes it might be an urgent thing. Somebody's in a hospital or maybe I'm interceding for the community that I'm reaching to where I'm doing a discipleship making movement. That will always take me beyond myself. I have to think of other people. I have to care about other people. I have to I have to have a passion for them, or I'm not going to be praying for them. And it has to be, you know, we find as far as spiritual giftedness, that it's the gift of mercy that's most related to intercession. People that have that that care about others, and that's one way of doing it. Um, and it expands our hearts. Mm -hmm. It was Mother Teresa, and I quoted her in the book, that um, it expands the heart of God. Um, that when we pray and intercede for others, we grow, our, our, our heart grows. Mm. And as an intercessor, I'm finding a place in God's kingdom. That might be a grandmother praying for her grandkids. It might be a pastor praying for his people. It might be an individual praying for his or her community where you're starting the church. But it's it's a it's someone who says, my heart's going to be bigger than just for me. My vision mm. is bigger than just for me. I have to have the attitude of um, John the Baptist who says, I must become less and he must become greater. And he was, in a sense, doing that when he was making the way for the Messiah. Mm. And people saying, John, what about him? What about him? And John saying, hey, I only have what's given to me. I got to become less. And my ministry is greater than I am. Mm. Mm. Jesus' ministry was greater, and the kingdom of God was greater. Every, mm. I mean, think of every leader in the history of the Christian church. Their heart was bigger than they were. Their vision was bigger than they were. They found their place in God's kingdom. Mm bigger than I am myself in God-sized vision, a God-sized heart. You have to pray. You can't not pray because it's taking you beyond yourself. Mm. Realize how little the things that I'm concerned about truly can be. And um, I, I think it's when I care about others and I see my place in God's kingdom, that's bigger than just my personal life. 
it'll pull me into intercession and it'll pull me into a deeper prayer life because I need to. You, you can't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that I often talk about and teach on is, you know, developing a lost and saved list where you have a list of people that are lost in your life, people you know, your neighbors, your family members, and starting by praying for them regularly, even daily, and lifting them up before the Lord, praying specifically for them, and praying that God will bless them, praying God's kingdom come in their lives. And and like you said, often when I, I start to do that, I start to pray regularly for someone uh, my heart expands. I start to love them more. I start to care more about what happens to them. And I'm more likely to open my mouth to share the gospel with them as well, because I've been praying for them regularly. So, um, so, so true what you say, it expands our heart and, and uh, intercession is such a important part of our prayer life. Um, not the only part, but an important part as we pray for our community or pray for the unreached. Um, there's like the Joshua Project prayer app, which is good for praying for mm-hmm. one people group a day that's unreached or different tools that are out there mm-hmm. to get people started. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do you keep your prayer life fresh and alive? Um, you know, it can, I don't, I'll be honest. There have been times in my life where prayer becomes mundane. Maybe I'm doing the same thing over and over and, you know, suddenly it starts feeling a little bit stale, you know, let's just be real and honest about that. What do you do when you start to feel like things are are not feeling as fresh as maybe they were before? It may sound ironic, but the first thing that I'll do is make sure I'm being consistent. This comes back to my prayer template. It's, It's so important to be consistent, especially when you don't feel like it. The temptation is to not do it because you don't feel like it. We're not praying because we feel like it. We're praying because that's who we are. Mm. You may not feel like doing all kinds of things. You may not feel like brushing your teeth or taking a walk or taking care of your body or your teeth or your eyes or your relationships or your mind. But you've got to be consistent. And so consistency, whether you feel like it or not, Even if your prayer time is moaning and groaning to God, okay, fine. At least you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Look at the Psalms. I mean, there's plenty moaning and groaning there. The majority are laments. So if your prayer time is moaning and groaning to God, have at it. You got most of the Psalms that include moaning and groaning. Um, What the consistency does is it creates a foundation in your prayer life, in your character, it creates a spiritual foundation upon which God does a lot more work in your life than if you don't have the foundation. It's like, I want to build a house, but to build the house as we see it, we have to place it on a foundation of something, mm-hmm. whether a concrete block or in some parts of the world, you know, stilts up above the water or what have you. It needs a foundation and that foundation is a consistency. It's not attractive. It's not exciting, but it's essential. Mm. And with that consistency, that's where I find God moving in my life, giving me words of knowledge, giving me prophetic words, or just leading me where he wouldn't if I didn't have that consistent prayer life, which keeps me connected. I would mm. become disconnected And therefore, 
if my consistency drops, all the other sort of serendipitous, unexpected blessings of God in my life would drop with it. Just like anything else, you know, with nutrition or finances or work or anything, it's it's all that same pattern. Um, so I would also I would also encourage you in your prayer life, don't do the same thing all the time every day. If you have a list of I'm going to do this, then this, then this, then this, then this, and I'm going to finish, you're going to get real stale really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was praying long hours every day and and. At the moment, I'm not. I know it's going to start out again in the near future. I'm just at a space in life right now where um, God has me in other things. Uh, but I would always do something different order. Um, I'd be meditating on a verse in the Bible. Um, here's a prayer, prayer, uh, Bible reading method. Read until the Lord stops you. And I would say, Lord, stop me with, if there's like a rhema you want me to grasp. And mm-hmm. remember to meditate on it. Or the intercessory prayer list, or just take time to worship. Mm-hmm. Maybe worship with a CD or a song, or just sing, or play an instrument, or just mm-hmm. work, or even without song, just just worship God. Um, so I want to prayer walk. Change it up. Walk when you pray. Um, mm-hmm. and keep falling asleep. Um, there's issues in your life. There's issues in the world. Think through them. Pray through them. Uh, bring God in. What's in the news? You know, Charles Spurgeon famously said he carries the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. Um, I have my news app and I open up. Um, God's put it on my heart to intercede for the war in Ukraine. Um, and I do. And it's exciting to see what happens. Heartbreaking sometimes, but I, it's just what he's asked me to do. And, you know, what has God called you to do? Um, and let the news become a prayer request for you. We need, we need that. And, and then just sometimes just, just pray in the spirit and let the Lord lead you. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't have to do all of them and don't do them all in one day, change it around and just, just let it be random and, but know what you do. Um, Just be spirit led. And um, it's the variety is important with that consistency of practice. Mm, I love that. That's so good. Variety but consistency and like, and uh, you wear yeah. clothes every day. I imagine most of us put on clothes every day. Consistent. I do. I do. <laughs> wear the same clothes every day. It would be boring if you wore the same clothes every day. I mean, it's okay if you want to, but that's variety of different mm. clothes with consistency of putting them on every day. Do you eat every day? Most of unless you're fasting, you'll be eating every day. Um, but you might want to eat something different today than you did yesterday sure yeah same kind of thing all the same consistency on the foundation or variety with consistency yeah that's so good well most of what we've been talking about so far at least the way it sounds to me has been individual prayer which is so important we need that individual prayer life but talk a little bit about corporate prayer and and what role does that play? And uh, yeah, how would how would we pursue that? Or what have you experienced in corporate prayer? In corporate prayer, it's most of my experiences have been with Koreans, mm-hmm. and they love simultaneous audible prayer, and they're going trio, trio, trio. And at first, my were nuts, and later. 
I caught the bug. I started doing it myself when I came back to my American prayer groups. They're just quiet, you know, waiting for each other to take turn. And I thought, what is wrong with you? So <laughs> um, people in individualistic Western cultures tend to have a harder time with corporate prayer. Mm-hmm. It just seems weird to us or we want to take turns because of that individualistic paradigm in our worldviews. Mm-hmm. Um, people with a group oriented society, most Asians, most Africans, uh, group cultures. Um, I find that uh, Hispanics tend to be halfway between the sort of one foot in the group, one foot in the individual. And the cultural aspect has a lot to do. When I'm with group orientation, man, they just go for it. Um, when I'm with the Hispanics, get them there, they go for it. It's, it's those uh, Westerners that have the hardest time, but um, but we can make it work, uh, especially in turn. But it is important. Matthew 18, 19, and 20, Jesus said, where two or three of you have been gathered, I'm with you. And there's that dynamic. There's also dynamic in um, Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8, and also in Deuteronomy 32, verse 30. I, I mentioned it in my book, um, in Earth uh, Power. Um, there is this exponential answer to prayer when people are agreeing together with one another in agreement with God's leading in alignment with scripture. I'm not going to say it's a magic wand or if you do this, you'll get that. God's not going to condescend of, you know, gimmicky things, but there tends to be a dynamic that when we gather together, we align ourselves with God's word individual or group. We align ourselves with God's spirit, with his leading, individual or group. But when a group of people are doing that, there just tends to be an increase in the dynamic of of what happens. We see it in the scripture. I've seen it in, in, in real life. Sometimes groups pray and nothing happens. Then I would say, well, are you out of alignment? And again, I don't want to, you know, make it too mechanical, but group prayers tend to get more powerful answers than individual, but because of that biblical dynamic in there. Um, and it also tends to encourage and lift people up, even just mm-hmm. emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I can pray with a bunch of like-minded people. I know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I know I got brothers and sisters who are, are with me. Mm. I'm encouraged. I feel a better place in the church and the kingdom. It's just benefit on benefit on benefit. And it yeah. helps me in my involvement in a church. It keeps me connected relationally. Mm. So every dynamic, spiritual, relational, psychological, uh, pragmatic answers to prayer, it, it's a win, 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 win all the way down. Yeah, All it costs yeah. me is the time it takes to pray with someone. Mm, yeah, I love that. And so agree. I I feel like corporate prayer is really um, often a missing, missing element in many Westerners' prayer lives. Uh, they don't pray corporately much at all. And, we don't need and God. I'm, we need programs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you know, sometimes in, in churches in the West, the prayer meeting is the, the, the least attended, you know, program or meeting in the church. And yet 
um, it has such, such benefit in us, in our lives and in the things we're seeking him for to pray corporately. And I don't know, I'm a runner and I find that when I run alone, I can do it. But if I have a running partner, I am hmm. so much more consistent and I am so much more likely to meet my goals and to, you know, to run well in that half marathon or whatever it is I'm training for. And I think in prayer, we just, you know, sometimes if you're struggling with prayer, find a prayer partner, find a corporate prayer meeting you can show up at. And um, just being with other people, I think, really stimulates that interest in prayer that I can do this. But, hey, we just spent an hour in prayer. That wasn't so hard. And having a little bit of guidance and other people with you and even Zoom prayer meetings. Uh, yesterday, we had a prayer and fasting day for our disciple makers group and um, five different online prayer meetings that people could join. And it was so powerful, so wonderful to pray with people all over the world, you know, and get together and seek God for these movements that we're believing him for. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate what you said about corporate prayer and agree. Very and I, much. I would encourage pastors or people in ministry. Um, you don't have to start a whole new separate meeting. Now, if you can and people are into it, absolutely go for it. But at least in the West, or if you're in a place where people are busy or coming long distances, I encourage people to include a corporate prayer time into an already existing event mm. before church on Sunday, after church on Sunday, or take time out in the Sunday service. Mm. Well, we don't have time during the Sunday service. Then what are you doing that's so important that you can't pray during the service? Yeah, um, I agree. Bible study. <laughs> your your disciple making movement maybe you have a discipleship training group or a weekday group or something let's spend 10 minutes 15 minutes before or after the meeting where we're praying for one another where we're worshiping god where we're praying for the community where so we incorporate prayer into the existing ministry i find that tends to be the best way for the most people to incorporate it successfully yeah yeah i so I agree. Love that. And uh, yeah, many churches don't have that as their church tradition, but but we can yeah. make it our tradition. We can add that or we can, like you said, um, that even even a few moments of corporate and, and prayer. As a pastor, missionary leader, I have to have compassion on my people. They might just be really, really busy with a big family or maybe mm -hmm. they're they're um, day laborers and they don't have a lot of money. Maybe they have to work a lot of tiring hours just to get by. They don't have the energy or the wherewithal to go off to another meeting during the week. Mm -hmm. And that's where the meetings that they can come to, we want to maximize it. Even if it's a little bit longer meeting that way, it's better for some people than to have a, a separate one. A separate one, on yeah. The one, on the other hand, if for people who have time, and say, I want to give my time to the Lord, then have a separate meeting. Mm -hmm. Those become, you know, that can become its whole thing. So it's always, you know, yeah, find ways to incorporate it one way or another. So good. Wow. Peter, this time has gone really fast and um, we're getting close to the hour mark. But I uh, just wanted to, to ask you and give you an opportunity. Is there, as you know, many of the people who listen to this podcast or this uh, recording will be people who are pursuing disciple multiplication. And they know that prayer is vital in that. 
um, they're pursuing that. Any, anything mm -hmm. that you would say to encourage them, to inspire them regarding prayer and especially extraordinary prayer? Um, yeah, any, any words for them? Buy Cindy Anderson's book that's coming out. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank I mean, you. I mean, I, mean, I mean that because as I was editing your book, um, repeatedly I was telling my wife, this is so good. People need to read this book. I'm so excited that I can do this. And I was uh, um, uh, because it, it, it expanded my vision to the possibilities which in turn expands my prayer life. Um, mm. And a couple of things beyond that to answer your question. Um, I think the best thing that you can have in life is a hunger for God. And people might say, well, the best thing you can have is Jesus. And I would say, actually not. I sound like a heretic saying that. And mm. I've known people who have Jesus who are just sitting there, not going anywhere. Okay, you know, saved, sanctified, petrified, you know, I'm bump on a log. But if I don't have God and I'm hungry for God, I will get God. Mm. I will have a relationship with Christ. If I have a relationship with Christ and I'm still hungry for God, I will get more of God. And if I continue to be hungry for God, I'll get more of God. And that will generate my prayer life. It'll motivate my prayer life. I'll want to pray. Why? Because I want more from God. And my prayer mm. life will be, on one hand, Thank you, Father. Thank you, God, for your presence with me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But I want more. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one thing that um, I thought maybe you might be interested is learn from other intercessors and other prayers. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is about changing up or inspiring. Um, and I just had a whole bunch of them, just by the way. Reese Howells was this amazing guy from Wales. Oh my gosh, look up Reese Howell's intercessor. Yep. John Hyde right there in India who broke through. Oh my goodness. These books, I read these and I put them, I say, oh God, oh God, oh God. George Mueller. Mm. You want to be challenged? Um, Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God. Reading these kinds of books is so inspiring in my prayer life because I'm like, wow, I'm not doing that. I want to incorporate that. There's so much there. You'll never, you'll never get too much. Um, even stuff like Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim Cimbala, how he got this church in New York City to pray like crazy. If you can get a church in New York City to pray, something's really going well. Or, mm. you know, the... Um, the revival in, in Florida a few years ago, Tommy Tenney and God Chasers. The Great book. God, and, and it just reset your mind and say, Lord, enough of my playing church. We want you. Mm. That goes right back to the beginning of our talk this today. It's resetting the mind. And when my mind resets, then I reset the details and the sort of mechanical things. And it all and it all starts to flow together and it works. So good. So good. And yeah, I love that. The best thing you can have in life is a hunger for God. Always and, um, I'm going to ask you to pray for us, Peter, that God would would accelerate and grow his that hunger in Amen. each one of us. Um, and then after you pray, we'll, we'll get a chance to hear where we can get a copy of your book and stuff like that. But pray, pray for me. I want to grow in greater hunger. 
Um, I want that to increase in my life. And I know those who are listening want that too. So yeah, pray for us. Let's pray. Father, bless everyone listening to this podcast. I bless Cindy. Bless Cynthia Anderson and the amazing work she's doing through YWAM with Disciple Making Movements. I pray guide her and her husband. Guide all the people she works with. Guide all these precious men and women that are leading these movements, that are striving, that are seeking to bring a reality of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we trust you for the leading. We trust you that your word would become alive. We trust you that you would bind the powers of darkness. We trust you that, that you would bring the presence of your spirit to cleanse us and sanctify us through and through. That you would empower us through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. That you would lift us when we stumble or are discouraged. That you would be the peace at the center of our hearts. That you would be the strong fortress around us, especially in times of spiritual warfare. That we would always remember it's not about us. It's about you and your kingdom. Father, we just ask your blessing upon us. Bless us to be a blessing to others. May we decrease. May we disappear of our egos in, into the yes, presence of Jesus in us. And may we become our fullest, most real self as you created us to be in the likeness of Christ. And when people look at us, may they wonder, who is that person? Mm. As they see that we are like Jesus. May mm. we be attractive to people just in the character that, that we become as we connect with you through prayer and through finding and fulfilling our place in your kingdom. Thank you, God. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father. And I, I ask your protection and blessing upon everyone here listening, that we would be protected from the evil one, our family and all that we have, that we'd find your blessing and that we would be we would be givers of ourselves, givers of what we have, givers of, of your resources in us. And the kingdom would grow and grow and grow, especially in these days that we have on earth here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for being with us, Peter. I know there's going to be some people who want to purchase your book. How do they get a hold of that? It's well, available. It like, um, okay. it's, on, it's on Amazon. Amazon's kind of weird. Somebody's got some old hardcover edition and Kindle. Look for the one that says revised edition. Okay. It's the $12 one. Um, it'll be on the top there. Uh, if you Google my name and prayer power, um, just search through some of the options. Um, it was originally published with Baker, Ravel Publishing, and that's gone out of print in the uh, print edition. They still have it in Kindle. You can get it in Kindle. Um, but uh, I would encourage you to get the revised edition th um, straight from Amazon there. And I think you've got the link for that there. Yeah, we're going to uh, put the link in our show notes here. And um, if they do you have a website as well, Peter. Yes, it's fairly simple. PeterLundell.com. P-E-T-E-R-L-U-N-D-E-L-L.com. And uh, it's got a little communication box there. If you'd like to contact me, you can just send me a message and I will definitely respond to you. 
That's awesome. And if you have a book that you need edited, Peter's a go-to guy. He did a great job and um, was a real pleasure to work with as well. So um, yeah, be sure to get in touch with me if you want to have him uh, edit your book and I'll point you in the right direction. But Peter, thank you so much for being with us and giving your time. And uh, yeah, we really look forward to what God's going to continue to do through all of us as we invest in our prayer life and um, and in our own hunger for God. So appreciate you being with us today. Blessing. Thank you. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, Stirring Our Faith to Believe for Movements Among the Unreached is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. Wow, what an amazing time with Peter. I learned so much, and I know you did as well. So good to talk about prayer, and prayer is such a vital part of our lives as disciple makers. Some of my takeaways were the part about identity was kind of new to me, thinking through that Jesus didn't pray because he was weak. He prayed because of who he was. I want to be the kind of person where prayer is part of who I am and it just flows naturally because of my identity. He talked about how a day without prayer is a declaration of independence from God. And wow, how many of us have days without prayer where we, we get busy and we don't pray? And yet that's actually saying, I don't need you, God. And I know we don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to make that declaration. I know I need to be consistent in my prayer life. I loved what we talked about, about corporate prayer and the power of corporate prayer and how uh, when our prayer life becomes mundane or we, we need to change things up, be creative, do something different, but stay consistent in those seasons. And then how he closed with the best thing you can have in life is a hunger for God. And he prayed for us for that. So I want to challenge you this week. Would you do something to develop and improve your prayer life. Think of the things you've heard and what is one thing that you're going to do that you're going to put into action. You might want to put that in the comments for me. I'd love that for others to read and be encouraged. Um, but what's one thing that you're going to do? Maybe you're going to find a place that's consistent that you can pray every day, or maybe you're going to find a corporate prayer meeting uh, or prayer time or incorporate it in if you're a pastor into the the prayer um, into the normal service, uh, an extended, a little more extended prayer time uh, that's corporate. What are you going to do to develop prayer and to grow as a person of extraordinary prayer in this next week? God bless you guys. We'll see you back in the next episode in a few days. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. 
Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.